add a little play to your day with the Michigan Lottery. Over 90 online instant games to choose from, with prizes up to $500,000. A Marquette County woman recently won $250,000 playing online. Could you be next? Sign up online today to receive 10 free games with promo code FUN. Visit michiganlottery.com to add a little play to your day. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at lesliemarshallshow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. And welcome or welcome back to the only true democracy in talk. We have a great hour today, great subject matters to be discussed, and an awesome guest joining us to do that. We have Steve Solman, like all man, uh, with an S, I like that, Steve Solman, uh, Assistant Director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety, and Environment Department. He's worked there for more than 16 years. 28 years of safety and health experience under his belt. He's investigated fatalities, life-altering accidents, provided assistance to local unions, and worked closely with employers' safety and health professionals. He serves as a labor representative on the National Advisory Committee on Occupational Safety and Health, NACOSH, and NFPA's 652 Technical Committee on the Fundamentals of Combustible Dust. By the way, check out the website for USW, USW.org. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow them at Steelworkers. More than a pleasure to have Mr. S- uh, Mr. Solman with us. Uh, Mr. Solman or Steve, which do you prefer? Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us on this Friday. Hello, Rich. Thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, having me for the honor and privilege to be on. And Steve is perfectly fine. I'm pretty informal. Oh, that's good. It's faster to say. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It's not that difficult, your last name, but hey, let's cut off a few syllables. Uh, uh, Thank you. That's all right. And I won't require you call me Empress or anything like that. I'm just joking. Uh, It's... (laughs) Steve, let's talk about some things, uh, all kidding aside, that that are not um, a laughing matter. Um, I put it out there, and uh, every year I like to have uh, you guys on uh, to talk about something that even now with COVID-19, I feel is much more important and, and essential for individuals to know about. And that is Workers' Memorial Day. We're also going to talk about the Trump administration and their responsibility to workers during this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, But Workers' Memorial Day is something that is remembered annually, and it's not celebrated because what we're remembering are people that have lost their lives in the line of work, just going to work every day as any man and woman should and expect to come home, and that simply is not the case. Well, right now with COVID-19, there are more and more men and women out there working and not just on the front lines in the hospitals and healthcare facilities, but also in other industries uh, throughout our nation, whether they're uh, driving trucks, uh, delivering packages, um, the list just goes on and on, delivering food. So COVID-19 has introduced a host of new health and safety concerns 
in our workplace now. We have essential workers who've been on the job for two months now. Now we have workers that are going to be entering the workplace on top of that as the economy uh, begins to reopen. Um, during this time, during this pandemic, uh, the members at the United Steelworkers have been and continue to go to work each day. They go to work in oil plants, chemical plants, paper and steel mills, hospitals, power plants, and many other workplaces. So first and foremost, Steve, I want to touch on Workers Memorial Day, but I also want to talk about and have you address how COVID-19 has introduced these new health and safety concerns to the workers in your workplaces as USW union members, those oil and chemical plants, the paper and steel mills, hospitals, power plants, and, and many other workplaces. Sure. Well, it's a, it's a very important day. Uh, you started talking a little bit about uh, my background and part of my background. Uh, it's, it's very important to me at our own union hall at home in, in Des Moines, Iowa, at Local 310, uh, where I come from, uh, we have a plaque on the wall uh, because of a member that had lost his life, Chuck Smith. And then we also have uh, other members who were burned and had a 10 and 20% chance to live after being involved in an explosion of a mixer. And now, as you've mentioned, it's even that much more personal, not just for me, but for our nation, because COVID-19 is getting personal. All you have to do is watch the news. And if you're one of those people uh, that lost a loved one, especially in healthcare, or just, you know, we've seen people even here in Pittsburgh, uh, people are testing positive who are part of the Port Authority, uh, helping to transport people. We've had members uh, in our workplaces at, that are steelworker represented test positive. Uh, fortunately, you know, those have survived, and then there's others uh, that those of those that have not survived. And and today uh, on April Workers Memorial Day, I should say, on April 28th, uh, we honor those. And in our building, we would normally do a ceremony uh, where we would read the names, uh, ring a bell, and have a candlelight service and a moment of silence. Uh, we're not able to do that because of the pandemic. And we read uh, with a memorial scroll, since everything having to be done by a distance now, uh, we did a video because we felt now more than ever we should be honoring workers who had their lives taken from them. They didn't give their lives. Their lives were taken. And people just simply went to work to earn a living, to provide a fair amount of uh, work for a fair amount of wages and benefits, and now they're no longer here. And there was 29 people from April of this year to April of last year. And in our in our USW-represented workplaces, those ages ranged from 23 to 77 in all kinds of different workplaces in the U.S. and Canada. And then, as you pointed out, uh, Leslie, there's, there's untold amount of names, because we know that we've probably not gotten all of them, uh, that have now been exposed to this pandemic, this coronavirus, and have perished. And the question is, is it work-related? Was it something that, uh, you know, they received somewhere else? But there's, a, there's an unknown amount of number of USW members who've died from the virus uh, and the ongoing pandemic. And at this point, there's, those people are essential workers, and uh, they may have contracted it at work, and, and we mourn their loss, 
and and the loss of all of the victims to this cruel disease across our nation and not just our nation. This is a global issue, and this should be dealt with globally. And unfortunately, uh, we're not dealing with it uh, as a country the way it should be dealt with. Uh, I agree 100 percent. Um, unions such as the USW, you, you guys at the United Steelworkers, made a series of common sense recommendation. Uh, some employers have been taking steps to keep workers safe. I was looking over the guide, uh, the COVID-19 a guide for USW local unions still at work. Um, two things here. Um, can you talk about some of those common sense recommendations? And can you talk about whether employers in the workplace have been compliant with these recommendations that the USW has made or has been there there been some pushback uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic? Sure, I'll, I'll be happy to uh, to discuss that. I, I do want to say one last thing about Workers Memorial Day that just has really left me enraged. And that is uh, when you look at when uh, President Obama was in office, he would issue a proclamation on Workers Memorial Day uh, and remember a solemn remembrance and a nice proclamation that was a tribute to working people and those that was lost and especially the families uh, that's left behind. Uh, and these are the people who contribute to our economy. And as we talk about reopening the economy, people as workers should be able to basically enjoy the promise of the American dream. And now it's been taken from them. And you certainly can't participate in the American dream if you're sick or dead. And there's just so much greed versus need going on right now. And on Workers Memorial Day, our president issued the Defense Production Act to order meat packers to work. And that's what's happening on Workers Memorial Day. And I don't want that to go uh, without being unsaid or missed. And, and I hope people remember that when they go to the polls. Uh, I agree so, with you 100%. Ex excellent point. Um, go ahead. Sorry, Steve. Didn't mean to thank, it. Thank you. And yes, uh, so we put together a guide, and as you know, and, and mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, we have essential workers, and essential workers should have essential protections and needs, and essential safety. And so we put together a document of one talking about what are essential businesses, and we know that a lot of governors have determined what is essential business because there has to be power, there has to be drinking water, there has to be healthcare workers. So what do we do to try to help these workers? And, and we sat down and put together uh, as steel workers, what would we look at? We've got to be thinking about high-risk people. Should they be at work? Um, there's people in high-risk categories. How do we negotiate policies uh, that can deal with these people? And no one should have to take some type of a hit on the absenteeism program. And fortunately, we've got uh, workers uh, you know, who have sat down as part of their local union bargaining committee with their staff representative, district directors, and have worked in a cooperative manner uh, with employers and have been able to negotiate some pretty um, earth-shattering, groundbreaking agreements that are a model for many people to follow. And, and some of those has even evolved into how do we keep people out of the workplace that, that is sick? The last thing we want to do is incentivize people coming to work sick because 
let's face it, people are going to try to soldier through because they're good, hardworking people trying to do good things, and then we have bad results. And the way we can keep that from happening is if you're sick, stay home and you won't suffer any consequences. There won't be any hit on an absenteeism program with points. Uh, We'll find ways to work with you with whatever means possible, sickness and accident, uh, FMLA. Um, If you're sick, we've got you covered and stay quarantined until you can come back. And those are the things that we've, we've looked at And if you've been in close contact with someone, what if someone in your household has been confirmed as a positive case? Uh, Let the employer know and stay home and and there'll be no consequences. And those are the things that we've been advocating for. We've even worked with employers on do we need to do screenings? Uh, Some workplaces, uh, our local union people go through the, the workplace onto the property and their temperature is checked with a non-touch object or a piece of equipment that uh, measures the temperature on your forehead. And that's you know, certainly not uh, the only thing that you can do. It is a component of an overall infectious disease plan. But if you are symptomatic that says, okay, you're running a fever, we shouldn't be coming into the workplace, getting into a locker room, uh, changing clothes, and then now all of a sudden somebody leaves, and now you've got to decon that and clean, and people have been exposed. So at that point, people are free to go home, get checked, whatever they have to do, uh, and then they can come back. And that avoids that close contact with someone uh, that could have been sick. So using all of those resources that are available to them. And the other things that we've looked at is, we're fortunate that in union contracts, we have the right to refuse unsafe work. Now, OSHA has and MSHA has provisions in the government about uh, refusing unsafe work. Uh, but the problem with that is for people who don't have a union, um, they're scared. Um, people are even scared in union shops because they're trying to decide between a paycheck, health care for their family and themselves, and, and they want to try to stay at work. And so what we've done is said, look, we've got safety language in the contract. Let's use it. And there's processes. Let's try to work it out with the supervisor. And if we don't have the cleaning supplies and things that we need, let's work through it. Let's get it. And that that system can go all the way up through uh, a right to act or right to refuse process that could go all the way up to headquarters of the employer and headquarters of the international union. Oh, hold that thought. Hold that thought, Steve. We got to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to let you finish that on the other side of this break. I have a lot of other uh, questions, also questions about some of the real challenges that workers continue to face in this pandemic and these times we're living in with COVID-19. We'll be back with him. We'll be back with you right after this. Steve Solomon, Assistant Director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety and Environment Department, is our guest. Go to the website, usw.org, on Twitter and Instagram. Follow them at Steelworkers. We'll be back. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. We are back. 
Back to Steve Sondland, Assistant Director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety, and Environment Department. He has more than 16 years' experience there and 28 years of safety and health experience investigating fatalities and life-altering accidents and providing assistance to local unions and working closely with employers, safety, and health professionals. We're talking with him today about Workers' Memorial Day, the Trump administration's responsibility to workers during this COVID pandemic time, and we'll also uh, talk about some staffing shortages that have taken place. Steve, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Please continue what you were saying before the break, uh, before we move on to um, some other questions for you today. Sure. So we were talking about uh, what our workers, members have been facing in this country uh, and some of those things using the tools such as the right to act or sometimes uh, reactively known as the right to refuse. And we're trying to change that to something positive in the right to act, that if you see something, say something, but more importantly, you can do something. And there's a number of tools that our local unions have been using, and and you mentioned some of the things that's on our website. Uh, But some of it, too, is the challenges of this has been, and I'll just give you one example, is, is testing. You know, we have people coming into the workplaces that are uh, asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic, don't even know that they're shedding the virus. And, and so how do we deal with this? And, and there's been a lot of challenges that we have been trying to work through. And, and that is because we have essential people out there trying to make the economy go and, and be able to provide the services needed. And, and how do you take on some of those challenges? People trying to get into a workplace and they come in through kind of the small end of the funnel, if you will. How can we break uh, the entrances and op- exits opened up so then that way people aren't having to go through turnstiles and touching those kinds of things? So we've come up with solutions that uh, people have now increased security where people can go through great big gates uh, instead of having to touch things that you can't sanitize and clean uh, as people go through turnstiles, uh, we have seen now where people uh, have had issues of, I don't know if I want to come. We, we've had some people saying, I have drove home having left my workplace trying to decide how am I going to tell my family that someone in our workplace is tested positive for the coronavirus and what do I say, especially when I have a special needs child do I keep going to work? How can I do this? How can I be a provider? And, and so trying to overcome those pay issues and, and believe it or not, one employer wouldn't even work with uh, a staff representative on attendance issues. I, I, absolutely. Absolutely astonishing, Steve. Again, hold that thought. We have uh, another break. That's our shortest segment. Don't worry. I try not to interrupt you again. When we come back, I want to talk more about that and some other real challenges that employees are facing and that you guys at the USW as a union, uh, some real challenges that you're facing in protecting your workers. We are back with our guests. Thank you for holding and welcome back. Uh, Steve Solomon, Assistant Director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety, and Environment Department. Uh, please follow them on Twitter at and Instagram at Steelworkers, and the website is USW.org. Uh, Steve, thank you for holding. Welcome back. We were talking about some of the real challenges um, out there, and you were talking about some heart-wrenching uh, stories of employees and things that you're being told. I was sitting here trying not to cry and to keep it together, 
uh, in, in a professional capacity. There are other real challenges out there that you face as a union with your workers that, that many workers have. Um, and that's access to appropriate PPE or the need for appropriate distancing. Uh, sometimes there are limited opportunities to regularly wash hands. You talked about that you know, situation in the locker room. Would you say that the biggest challenge for the United Steel Workers and its members, its workers, has been a lack of leadership from the federal government? I mean, the, the, the federal government, the Trump administration, has left everyone on their own, in a sense, to tackle these problems, uh, even OSHA. That's an agency, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, charged with keeping workers safe. And it seems like they've been largely absent from this conversation. Can you weigh in about the administration? Can you weigh in about the lack of leadership? And can you weigh in about OSHA seemingly absent at this time? Yes, and I, I'm glad you raised that. Uh, first of all, uh, I would put the CDC in that same category with OSHA. Everything that has been put out there for workers has been voluntary guidance. Uh, so I liken this to, well, then let's just stop all of the rules, regulations, and standards that's out there for when you go to eating in a public place, uh, as we once used to do, and now getting your food and taking it home. What if food inspectors don't have any abilities to look at those things? What if hospitals had no regulations? What if just driving down the road, nobody had to stop at a red light, nobody had to stop at a stop sign? Uh, but yet we've got people going into workplaces, and if anything, what they have done is try to figure out ways that they can regulations. And look, we get that uh, you know respiratory protection is in short supply. Why? Because somebody has been asleep at the wheel and when this pandemic was coming, could have said, what is our stockpile as a nation? How can we start ramping up? Because this is going to ultimately come to us. And then we remember when the news hit that, you know, there was one in this state and one in that state, and then pretty soon and now look at what we're looking at. And all that uh, our government has done under the leadership of this president and uh, Eugene Scalia, who's the Secretary of Labor, who really should resign because, uh, as as most people know, he has been uh, an attorney uh, who has represented employers uh, and has been questionable about dis decisions that he has made, and and quite frankly, uh, has not shown any leadership. And if people would step up as leaders and say, as a secretary of labor, we should be issuing an emergency temporary standard for people in workplaces, not just healthcare, but essential workers. And what protections do they need? And it would be an emergency temporary standard. And that standard would have a number of provisions in it that would protect workers from what we're exposed to. And one thing that uh, to kind of move away from just the physical part of the workplace is forbidding employers from retaliating against workers. Earlier we talked about the right to refuse or the right to act as the way we'd like to call it as something positive, uh, but that needs to be put in place. We see workers trying to organize now and standing out in front of Amazon and nurses standing out, and we have steelworker members who are in health care, and people are looking for a solution. They're looking for leadership from our government, and they're not getting it. And we need an emergency temporary standard for essential workers, health care workers, 
and we need it yesterday, and there's no reason why the government couldn't do that now, and especially OSHA, start enforcing things through uh, the general duty clause under the OSH Act uh, that was passed 50 years ago. Uh, so we're celebrating 50 years of OSHA, which is a, a regulatory body to enforce regulations, could use Section 5A1 of the OSH Act, the Occupational Safety and Health Act, that says, and I'll paraphrase, every employer's got to provide a safe and healthy workplace free from recognized hazards. I don't know what would make somebody think that coronavirus is not a recognized hazard. Just look at the numbers of people who have been sick and worse yet, who have died from this, this terrible disease. And at this point, they need to come out and use that. And it's an emergency temporary standard. They can cite employers under the general duty clause of Section 5A1 because we know that some employers don't fear OSHA right now. They're not doing any kind of inspections. And in fact, some of our locals that we've talked to that's complained to OSHA said that when they talked to OSHA, uh, they were told that an inspector would not handle uh, the complaint. They will send uh, a letter to the employer asking them to address these issues, and everything is being handled informally. Uh, well, I can tell you, when families are sitting at home and uh, one of our local union members is in a hospital on a ventilator, and they can't go visit them and read their last rites, uh, tell them that they love them. That's how formal this gets. And for OSHA to be handling complaints informal, uh, this needs to change, and it needs to start now. Well, without question, you know, um, I, I don't understand, because I, I know that a lot of blue-collar workers voted for Donald Trump in 2016, and we have an election in November 2020. I don't understand just hearing you today, Steve, just hearing this interview, uh, the stories, the information, the facts, um, I don't understand how any blue-collar worker could vote for the president in November of this year um, to be president for another four years with what we are hearing. Can you comment on that? Uh, your comment makes me think of a bumper sticker that I've seen, and especially now for poultry workers uh, – a working person voting Republican is like a chicken voting for Colonel Sanders. And, and I think it's fitting. I think it's been fitting for a very, very long time. And when they tried to roll back protections, uh, we've had to fight to try to get various regulations. Our union has been well known for suing OSHA for not having the right protections. Uh, there have been a number of unions who have signed on to a letter that President Rich Trumka from the AFL-CIO sent to President Trump. Uh, it was dated uh, April 9th, uh, talking about the CDC guidelines and how bad they are. And, uh, and in that letter, uh, they had talked about the inadequate testing that was going on and how we need to have people protected. And one of the things that the CDC did uh, under this leadership is uh, they have basically rolled back uh, guidelines that were were there and in place, but in the effort to try to start this country back up and restart the economy, uh, they decided that essential workers did not have the choice to stay home from work, uh, and these are the people on the front line of the crisis and urgently needed for essential 
uh, protections. And what they said was that uh, these 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 guidelines, I'd like to call them regulations, but they're just guidelines that advise employers that workers uh, who have had close contact with a COVID-19 infected individual, but as I mentioned, remain asymptomatic, they don't have a fever or anything of that nature, they may continue to work rather than be sent home by their employer or if they know that knowledge to stay home. Uh, And this ignores firmly established science that we've been hearing about that there's a significant rate of transmission from asymptomatic individuals and pre-symptomatic individuals. And now we've got people in a workplace shedding the virus. So this, it's not just OSHA, it's, it's the CDC. Uh, we need a government to step up and lead. And hopefully people remember that when they cast their vote, not just for president. Right, right. All the way all the way down the line, because, I mean, you know, there are issues on local level, state levels and then local uh, city uh, county offices, um, you know, as well. Uh, You know what? I just want to say this. We're going to take a break and then Steve, come back. I have more questions for you. My producer and I were talking during the break. We're very up on these issues. We're well read on these issues, researched. Um, I eat, breathe and, and sleep these types of issues. And I have to say, even we, my executive producer and I, in this bubble, if you will, of, of the news cycle and uh, of this administration and of what is happening and what is not happening, even we weren't aware of how bad it is. And I want to thank you for educating us even more on that today, Steve. Hang on. We're going to take a quick break and come back to you in just a moment right here on The Only True Democracy and Talk. Like I said, our guest, Steve Salmon, is Assistant Director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety and Environment Department. Be sure to check out the website, usw.org, on Twitter and Instagram. Follow them at Steelworkers. I'm Leslie Marshall. We'll be back with our guests and with you right after this. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Back, Steve Salmons, our guest, Assistant Director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety, and Environment Department. Like I said, go to the website, usw.org, and follow them on Twitter and Instagram, at Steelworkers. Uh, Steve, thank you for holding. Uh, welcome back. And uh, so much to talk about. Before the break, basically just a, a, a handful of, of, of things that Steve shared with us I want to go over very quickly. In March, a group of unions demanded that OSHA implement an emergency temporary infectious disease standard that would specify the steps employers must take to keep workers safe. OSHA still hasn't done it. They merely provided guidance that employers are free to accept or reject. And as a result, since January, more than 3,000 workers contacted OSHA to complain about employers' failure to take basic steps to protect them from COVID-19. Another problem, OSHA's all but stopped investigating complaints, and this has left states uh, to, and other stakeholders to fill in the holes. Let's look at Oregon. They ramped up enforcement of state-level occupational safety rules and began spot checks of employers to ensure workers practice social distancing. And look at our labor secretary, uh, Eugene Scalia, long-sided with corporations over workers. Look at the Trump administration. Targeted the Chemical Safety Board, the CSB, that has broad bipartisan support. They rolled back chemical safety regulations. And a recent paper mill explosion in, in, in J, Maine is another example of how the CSB should be responding to understand how this happened, what lessons can be learned and shared with the industry, workers, unions, and the public. 
you know what? That mill exploded. It's a miracle that no one was hurt. Um, we are talking with the USW. We're talking with Steve uh, about Workers Memorial Day. It's a somber day. We observe it every year. And, and, and we're in a fight even more so with COVID-19, a fight to save lives and these people's lives on the job. This year, uh, the union, the USW, remembered 29 workers who were killed at USW-represented workplaces in both the United States and Canada over just the past 12 months, the past year. They have resolved to fight for the health and safety of all members and all workers, not just their members. In light of COVID and the administration's failure of leadership, they've mobilized to fight for the safety of all workers, and they're supporting H.R. 6559, the COVID-19 Every Worker Protection Act of this year, 2020. And this legislation, well, let's talk to Steve about it. Steve, what would this legislation, H.R. 6559, do? Tell the people listening, these voters, why it's essential. Uh, it's it's critically essential. Uh, as I had mentioned, the Center for Disease Control's prevention has issued guidance to protect workers, and as you've clearly outlined, and none of that is binding. And, and the solution that is under H.R. 6559 is that uh, every worker uh, would require OSHA uh, under this act to provide an emergency temporary standard and based on the CDC guidance to protect all workers from COVID-19 in the workplace. And that covers, we're looking for all workers. It's not just healthcare workers, it's people that are going into workplaces to make sure that these essential services are done. And most, one of the, one of the most ignored pieces that all too often get forgotten about is you should have the ability to stand up, talk to your employer about what is wrong without the fear of consequences. And it forbids employers from retaliating against workers for reporting infection control problems to their employer uh, or any public authority uh, to the media, such as yourself, and talk about problems and take your, 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 your issues to the public. But it also protects public employees across the country, and, and that's huge uh, because lots of times uh, public employees don't have someone that they can turn to, and, and some are not covered by OSHA, uh, and they need to adopt an emergency temporary standard within that as well. And it also gives OSHA the discretion uh, to go out and uh, work with covered employers due to shortages of equipment. So, for instance, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about we have ventilators, we have N95 respirators, and if the employers can show that they've made a good faith effort to purchase that personal protective equipment uh, and try to come in compliance, uh, but it's crazy to think that some of these people who we are, we are calling heroes uh, are basically now turned into zeros after somebody has passed away. There's hundreds of people sick and dying from this uh, tragic, tragic situation. And this is why we need some type of solution. It also requires the CDC and NIOSH um, the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health to track and investigate work-related COVID-19 uh, infections and make recommendations on needed actions and guidance uh, to protect such employees. Oh, so so much to talk about. Um, I want to touch upon the staffing shortage pauses uh, for the Chemical Safety Board investigations. The agency now has seven investigators. They say they're hiring 10. There's another board member that's supposed to exit uh, today. And there were two investigations by the U.S. Chemical Safety Board that are being put on hold. Uh, like I said, the agency hires at least 10 more staffers. 
Um, this is what they're saying. Uh, Catherine Lemos began her term uh, April 23rd. She said she couldn't provide details on when hiring would start, but that she shares, quote, those concerns on being able to close out these issues and uh, events. Um, tell us about this staffing shortage. Tell us about these pauses with these Chemical Safety Board investigations. So April 29th, they had a public meeting for uh, the Chemical Safety Board. And uh, as you just mentioned, uh, we're going to be down to one board member, uh, Dr. Catherine Lim- uh, Limos will be the only person uh, left, uh, and that uh, the departure of Kristen Kolonowski, uh, we're not even going to have a quorum on the board. There's supposed to be five board members, and uh, this administration has not uh, funded the CSB. They propose to eliminate all funding, uh, so therefore, why would you want to take a job with an agency? Why would you want to try to be on the board of an agency that the administration has proposed to cut funding? And so therefore, that just simply trickles on down to what is their investigative staff, who we have worked with in the past, who has been top-notch and do outstanding work. And they are so short-staffed that one of our USW-represented locations, uh, Sunoco Logistics from Netherlands, Texas, that's uh, on that list, uh, is one of those cases that do not have the staff to finish the investigation. And this goes all the way back uh, for a number of years that this administration has been asleep at the wheel. And by not funding the CSB, I mean, this is how crazy this is. They're a small agency. Uh, they get 12, I believe it's 12 million in funding, and it's a bargain for what we get from them. If you've ever seen their videos uh, and the reports that they put out, they're top-notch and second to none, and they help not only the workplaces in that industry prevent these from happening again, but there's crossover to many other industries that can learn from those tragic events. And in order for them to produce those videos and investigations and staff, they need the funding to do that. And, and if they don't deploy the staff, as you mentioned, the paper mill explosion, we need staff to go out there and investigate that because in the paper sector, we're the largest union in the paper sector. We've had two different uh, incidents where there's been triple fatalities. There's no doubt what happened in Jay Maine could have been another triple fatality or worse. If you watch that Absolutely. video, all you got to do is Google search this video. It's out on YouTube. It's in the press. And if you look at this and you think about there's an agency that should be going out and getting the lessons learned from that and sharing those learnings so that it can be prevented from happening Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Steve, I can't thank you enough. You've given us so much information. I really feel uh, more educated on all of this today. And I, like I said, I know this stuff. Thank you for being with us. Steve Salman, Assistant Director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety and Environment Department. Check out the website, USW.org. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow them at Steelworkers. I'm Leslie Marshall. Follow me, or you should know if you're watching me on Periscope at Twitter. I want to thank and a shout out to my executive producer, Marky Marcomaldi. He is awesome. Have a wonderful weekend. Add a little play to your day with the Michigan Lottery. Over 90 online instant games to choose from, with prizes up to $500,000. A Marquette County woman recently won $250,000 playing online. Could you be next? Sign up online today to receive 10 free games with promo code FUN. Visit MichiganLottery.com to add a little play to your day.
At Speedway, we've always been here to get you what you need when you need it. We're committed to keeping our stores open, clean, and safe, so you can stay fueled and refreshed all summer long. We've got cold drinks for hot days and frozen drinks for even hotter ones, plus energy boosts, quick bites, and pick-me-ups. We're always on your way, and we're always here for you. So no matter what you need, when you stop by, we'll be ready. Now buy any three cooler beverages and get 500 bonus Speedy Rewards points.